but this morning the 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 word that God laid in my heart is everyone is welcome to worship King Jesus. And we we looked at the the ideas of advent over the last few weeks and and hopefully most of you have read through Luke's account of the birth of Jesus but we're going to pick up in the story with Matthew and the story of the the three wise men and I think uh I know for me personally this hasn't been really looked at in all the angles it possibly could because I learned something new this morning and I'm going to share that with you Uh, and I've preached about the three wise men multiple times so praise God I'm still learning too but Matthew chapter 2 if you want to read along in the Bible or you can look on the screen now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, the the nice and flowery version of this that we see in every production of the nativity is these guys were nobility and they were you know, well-dressed, well-educated guys, and we we miss some of the point because maybe they were, and because of the gifts they brought, they they did have some wealth, but maybe they were educated, but but we kind of miss out on a very big important important part. the The word wise men in the Greek is magos, and, and it's where we get the term magi. Which for all of you, you know, people who like the those type of movies, this is also where we get the root for magic. Thank you, Anne Wright, who taught me how to break down words. Um, <clears throat> throwing a lot of education props out there this morning, so just brace yourself. But magi, and, and I looked at this for a long time, and and finally I went and and looked it up in the interlinear core concordance get the big words out that that big fancy study tool i have that breaks down the greek a little more for us and this is the definition for amagos it was the name given by the babylonians or the chaldeans the medes the persians and others to wise men teachers priests physicians astrologers seers interpreter of dreams augurs i'll have to define that one for you in a second soothsayers and sorcerers okay how many of you when you see the wise men coming to give their gifts think about sorcerers you'll never see this story the same okay now now to be fair they could have simply been teachers Yay us, okay? We got a room full of teachers. They, they could have been priests, but I want you to understand that they were not Hebrew priests. Wrap your brain around that this morning. These three guys that show up are absolutely 100% pagan. 
They're not Jews. They never said, we're coming to worship our king. They said, we're coming to worship the king of the Jews. And, and augers, I thought it was, you know, that thing that runs grain up in there. That's really not what augers are. Um, augers are guys that interpret dreams. And that's pretty much what they do. They're fortune tellers. Exactly who we thought showed up to worship Jesus, the, you know, with the gifts. We thought, hey, you know, it was the three wise men. They were, you know, really good priestly guys that saw a star show up. No, these were fortune tellers. These guys were, were people who dabbled in the most pagan of arts, and they're the ones that show up to worship Jesus. Go back to our title. Everyone is welcome to worship King Jesus. Everyone. You can't be more in opposition to who God claims to be than these men were. They were practicing witchcraft, in case you haven't connected that dot. These guys were practicing witchcraft. Or, you know, you want to jump into modern terminology, they, they simply followed the science. Ouch. Oh, sorry, not trying to offend people. Or, you know, they followed the, the moving and the flow of the time. But they were wise enough to recognize when something was different. Continuing in Scripture, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. I want you to understand that there's a reason these three pagans are called to come worship the king. Because the birth and the very presence of Jesus deeply disturbed the political and religious powers of the day. I want you to understand that true Christianity, people who love Jesus and want to love people like he does, will disturb the political and the religious powers of our day as well. I'm telling you, I'm not called to religion. And you're not either. Jesus invited us into a relationship with him where we could know him and love people like he does so they could know him too. They told him. That, that alone tells me they were more afraid of Herod than they were of God. They told him exactly where to find this king of the Jews. I can't imagine that any of these educated priests and scholars of their day were so stupid to think that if they gave Herod the location of their king, their Messiah, that Herod would just let it go. They were in on it. Ouch. In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. 
Innocent enough question for the wise men to answer when that star show up. Now what I want to know, and, and the Bible doesn't tell us, is did Herod start looking at the stars? Can you imagine this poor troubled king thinking his throne is in jeopardy on the balcony of his palace at night looking at the stars? I can and it makes me smile. Because I, I firmly believe that Herod, despite his best efforts, Herod's court, despite their best efforts, were unable to see the star until it was too late. Because God wasn't calling Herod and his court to come worship in that moment. Because they weren't going to come worship. Sometimes we struggle with, well, well, I've been sharing the gospel with this person day after day after day. Well, let me tell you, until the Holy Spirit draws them, you're called to sow seed. You're not called to reap the harvest right away. You're called to be faithful and to share the gospel. Because when they're ready, God will put into motion events in their life that will bring them to the foot of the cross. It's not your job to drag them there. Parents, that may be for you with your children. It's not your job to drag them to the foot of the cross. It's your job to love them and sow the seed of God's word into their life and let him bring the harvest. Because Herod knew about Jesus' birth, but he was in no way, shape, or form ready to go worship. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Never a truer politician in scripture. Say the exact opposite of what you intend to do. Oh man, preachers picking on politicians on Christmas. Nobody's safe. <clears throat> The thing that blows my mind, I've seen enough political spy movies. Why didn't he just have the wise men followed? He's a terrible ruler and terrible tactician. But anyways, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them. Oh, man. The, the star went before them. This thing that had led them all the way to Jerusalem, they got to see it going before them still to Bethlehem. You, now, just take a moment, if you will, and just look at the events of your life and tell me that they weren't drawing you to that point where you met Jesus. Drawing you there. Every, every broken road that you took, was it not drawing you to meet Jesus? And it went before them until it came to rest over the place that the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. How many of you woke up this morning rejoicing exceedingly with great joy? I did. I didn't have a choice because Titus was the first one in the room and, 
and Titus doesn't come in quietly, ever. So we got to uh, get out of bed early because stockings were full and needed to be emptied. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm not going to spend a lot of the time on the gifts. You can go back and, and dig a little deeper on those. The, the part that I want you to see is these pagan, these pagan men. How did they respond to Jesus? They fell down and they worshiped him. And I went and I looked that up in the Greek and it, it meant that they bowed themselves to the ground and put their forehead on the ground where he lay. If you need a, a modern day picture of it, look at any prayer time in a mosque. And that was the style of worship that these men performed in front of Jesus. Leads me to think they're not really from the far Orient, that more in fact they're Arab, because that is a long-standing Arab culture that was adopted into Islam. But these men gave the deepest level of respect and honor that they could give another person on this earth they bowed and put their very head to the ground to worship him. And then after they worshiped him, they gave gifts. Sometimes we, we run into this barrier as, as we approach Jesus that we feel like we have to have a gift to give him. He doesn't want your gift. He wants your worship. Once you give him your worship, he enables you to open up those gifts and to use them for his glory. You may be highly gifted and talented, but Jesus doesn't give diddly squat about your gifts and your talents. He wants your worship. And as we, as we wrap this up, they worshiped. We're living in a world full of people who know how to worship. You don't believe me, go to a sporting event. We know how to cry out and how to worship or how to be little. If you're wearing stripes, we, we worship you in a different way. We know how to worship. We know how to worship ourselves. How many times a day do teenage girls take a selfie? How many times a day do adult women take a selfie? Let's be fair. Some men. If you're on Snapchat, how many times a day is your Snapchat a shot of your face or a shot of you in the foreground to the background of a picture? We understand what it is to worship. We live in a world that understands what it is to worship, but until they see your life being lived in as, as an example of worship to the King of Kings, 
they won't see how misguided their worship is. The call to us as we celebrate Jesus today is to really focus in our life to come and adore him every day. We're not adoring the baby at the manger. We're not adoring Jesus on the cross. We're adoring the risen Savior who sits on the throne of heaven. The King of Kings, the El Al Al. The mighty judge of heaven. The commander of heaven's armies. The one who is worthy of our praise. The only one who can open the scrolls of the book of Revelation. Man, I don't look at Revelation the same anymore. That is just getting the party started. And for people that are pre-trib, post-trib, rapture people, you know, it doesn't really matter when you get to the party as long as you get to the party. Okay? But whose party are we going to? Just like him, every day of your life is one step closer to that party. That celebration. You come and you worship. This morning as we as we close, we're just gonna sing and bear with me because I've got really good drainage and sore throat today. But we're just going to sing that very simple chorus. And, and I hope it's the cry of your heart this Christmas. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him, Christ. 